Welcome. <laughs> what are you buying? Jake, uh, that's the wrong merchant. I think you should try something more like the Duke. Jake, welcome to this tasty podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As I started talking, I was like, what does he sound like again? So, we'll see if I Welcome, everyone, to an incredible episode today, our Halloween special, finally getting back into talking about a whole game instead of all the little bits and pieces that we've been doing in the past, and I'm super excited. So, my name's Cameron. And hey there, I'm Jake, and welcome, everyone, to this episode. Episode, nice. Mm -hmm. This is a good one. Today, we are recording on September 25th, 2022, but I know that you are listening and it is Halloween time, and it's a good time of year to be talking about a very spoopy game. I know we talked about some spoopers last week, but this this is the one. This is the episode mm. to be in. I am going to try to double down on energy today because, Jake, <laughs> where are you at right now? So, small recap here. I'm in Osaka. Uh, I've been working here for the past week, and it's been great, like, just revisiting this place that I used to live in, as some of you may remember from many podcasts ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently staying in a hotel for the next couple weeks, and I don't think the hotel has super soundproof walls, and it's kind of small, very Japanese style, so I kind of have to keep my voice down. I understand. It's a comfy hotel, though. But uh, I hope that my slightly muted voice will give me a spooky vibe. Perfect for this podcast. Indeed. As we talk about this today, interestingly enough, the DLC for Resident Evil 8 comes out today. October oh 28th, assuming that that's what people are hearing. So uh, unfortunately, we don't get to cover that DLC. And it might have some cool story elements that explain some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. However, uh, hopefully we get to do another episode here soon where we actually get to play that DLC and talk about it. So I'm very excited about that. Excited for you, future Cameron and Jake, who are playing it right now. I hope it's great. Oh, sorry. I was playing the DLC. Um, what'd you say? <laughs> How are you playing it right now? <laughs> I'm, I'm acting, pretending like I'm in the future. Oh, Mm, yeah we'll just go with that but anyway we're gonna be talking about an amazing game today um and this is a great opportunity because this is a game that you and i cameron have not only played uh, but we also both absolutely love mm -hmm. and that makes for some wonderful conversation and we're going to be getting into some fantastic points about this game that hopefully will get all of you excited about playing it yeah by the way, did we mention already what the game was? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but you saw it in the title. Today we're talking about Resident Evil 8 Village. Let's just go ahead and, and dive into this. The Resident Evil yeah. 8 and 7 has kind of been a revitalization of the franchise where you can kind of look at the Resident Evil history as these like 
chunks of gameplay where one through three and all of their spinoffs were like the tank controls, the the classic Resident Evil, while four, five, and six got, well, four started a new thing, stuck to the creepiness, and then they progressively got more action-y from there. But still, they were kind of like this trilogy of similar gameplay and evolution of the series. While then was seven, they kind of rebooted again, going Mm. with first person instead of third person tank controls and kind of getting away from, I guess, the tropes that we've been seeing in Resident Evil with the zombies and big, giant espionage umbrella stories and are are now more a little focused. And Mm. it's been interesting. So, Jake, did you play Seven? Uh, I have not yet, unfortunately. So I have not either. <laughs> and <laughs> But this 8 does give you a nice little recap of 7, yeah. which is great for diving in. Yeah, it does. I personally was too scared to play 7 when it came uh. out. But now, after playing 8, it's like, ugh, should I go back? It just It looks so claustrophobic and... I've heard it's it's pretty scary and and gross. Mm. <laughs> nice, my kind of game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. One more th- disclaimer before we begin. This is a pretty M-rated game, so I'm gonna say listener discretion advised, and hopefully you're old enough to actually play this and enjoy it. If you're not, what mm-hmm. are you doing? How'd you get this game? <laughs> you're not 17. Silliness, indeed. Well, actually, the only thing that's silly about this game is some of the dialogue, but that's a very small detail. Oh, my gosh. I guess we can There's talk about bad, that later. Bad dialogue. That's, you know, that's just a trope that's in all the Resident Evil games. It has to be there. That's true. It does. Hmm. So, real quick, I want to give just a Resident Evil 7 recap that's not very spoilery because it's what I can remember, and I haven't played it. And I kind of wanted <laughs> to uh, save myself from spoilers as well because... I do intend to go back and play this so I can see the whole story. But anyway, uh, Resident Evil 7 stars Ethan Winters looking for his wife Mia, who's been missing. Finds out that she might be in this residence, this evil residence in (laughs) Louisiana. And so this is the house of the Bakers. Uh, I think there's three of them here, and they're kind of cannibalistic and regenerative as well. So you cut off their arm, it grows back, something like that. And so they're these crazy people holding your wife hostage. You show up, you're trying to help. Obviously, uh, chaos ensues. The house is kind of overrun by these creatures called the mold. And turns out this family is also infected by the mold. And the mold is being controlled by this girl, Evelyn, who's this bioweapon that was kind of created by... Actually, I'm not sure who created Evelyn. It's not one of the pharmaceutical companies, I'm sure. And she's just like this kid embodiment of the mold, essentially. And at the end of the game, you escape with Mia and Chris Redfield. From there, kind of in between games, you're asked to move. Chris has kind of been watching over your family. And you've gotten some military training. And that's kind of the only explanation they give for like how you're handling all these guns in this game. <laughs> and really, that's it. That takes us up to eight. Village. So, mm. Jake, how do you want to start this off? Let's start off with our first impressions of this game before we played it and after we started playing it kind of for the first time. Yeah. Kind of what we expected and what we got initially. 
when this game first came out, I didn't really know much about it, and I probably wouldn't have picked it up until you recommended it. Mm-hmm. Even though I had played some Resident Evil in the past, I think this was especially after I got back into it, having played uh, the two and three remake, which were mm. great, by the yeah. way. And I just re-downloaded the uh, PS5 version of those. Oh, very mm. nice. Very solid. So this one was different in the fact that it's a first-person shooter, and I'd not seen that in a Resident Evil game yet. And it mm. works really well. But what I noticed first was that this game was very dark. I mean, yeah, the dialogue is not that great, but that's pretty typical. It's dark, it's gritty, and that's what got me into it. And it really makes you kind of feel like you're a part of it. Um, yeah. That whole first-person view, it, it really brings you in. And I'd already heard a little bit about it and i just started playing it i really liked how they kept like the things like the attache case oh yeah concept that was really nice and there were some common themes like with the whole duke and him being friends with the merchants right from re4 the graphics are beautiful that's what initially hooked me mm-hmm. and the puzzles were decent too I guess we can talk a little bit about this later, but I am a little bit concerned about the placement of some of the houses and when you <laughs> do them versus when you should actually do them. Yeah. <laughs> but I really appreciated the story and overall, great game. That's why I'm playing it again. And that's why you're playing it again. That's right. So I do like how you said, like it had the attache case and it kind of got back to the roots of the exploration of Resident Evil 4. And a lot of people had missed that because, you know, five, they added just like the quick swap between your weapons and mm-hmm. there was no real inventory management. So here you've got an inventory again, playing Tetris with your guns, managing your ammo, and they made uh, treasure hunting fun again. Like, sure, there's treasure in five and six, but this is more fun to kind of track down. And there's the concept of combining treasures to make them into more valuable pieces. So Mm. I was glad that that was back. But my first impressions of this game were, man, this doesn't feel like Resident Evil (laughs) because it is very different, especially, again, getting away from the the Umbrella stories Mm -hmm. makes it feel different. First person makes it feel different. But also the fact that, sure, zombies, zombies are a staple of the series but it's like that's as far-fetched as it gets well it no it's all very far-fetched but it's like (laughs) they haven't really gone beyond zombies and mutations while this one especially seeing all the trailers it's like what werewolves vampires like it's all Mm. very fairy tale type stuff and it even opens Mm -hmm. with a fairy tale story which is beautifully done yeah and frankenstein monsters and all this stuff and it's just like how how is this going to be explained? This feels like a very different mythology than what we're used to. And yeah. luckily, it, I think it does get explained decently. But mm-hmm. still, it was just kind of jarring for me. It's like, hmm. is this Resident Evil? I I don't know. This is very unique. And yeah. it makes it stand out for that reason. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, how it feels kind of fantastical, almost like a mythology. It takes place not only in Europe, but we see classical elements from mythology, werewolves, you know, castles, that kind of thing. You know, we're not really dealing with a bunch of uh, biohazard type stuff, the Japanese title. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot more mythological. And, you know, these lichens that are constantly everywhere, 
they're not just these uh, mindless zombies that are following you around. These actively pursue you, and they are kind of a terror to fight, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I mean, the only kind of zombie-type elements we get from this game are when you get stalked around these areas by the by the head honchos or big bosses or... Well, I mean, there I mean? are some zombie-like enemies in here, but... Mm. Yeah. Still, the overall mythology feels different. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of segues into the great origin story of our favorite pharmaceutical uh, nightmare company in this <laughs> series. Yes, but we'll talk about that near the end. Spoilers. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's just kind of, let's move through the story and stop and talk about characters as they come up and how yes. we felt about them. Mm -hmm. As this game opens up, very brutally, you're just having dinner with your wife, Mia, your baby Rose. Chris Redfield busts in, shoots Mia, kidnaps Rose. You get dragged off to, I assume you crash in the woods. The game starts mm -hmm. for there, from there. You wandering through the woods. And I came into this game expecting to be on edge and to be scared. And I absolutely was. <laughs> How did you mm. feel just like having to push through the woods here and like just hearing noises around and having to go into that cabin <laughs> and just like the general start of this game? I loved it. Yeah. It's going back to traditional horror, not just a bunch of action, but like really subtle stuff that really gets under your skin almost <laughs> literally. <laughs> but it was a great intro, very well crafted. Yeah, it introduces this world very well and kind of what to expect throughout this game mm. as you finally come out through the woods and just see the horizon with the castle and the village. Like this game is so pretty. Mm. There is so many moments where it's like I need to write down this down so I can talk about it because this moment was just so beautiful and Yeah. It's surprising that like this is last gen technically. This came out on PS4, I guess PS5 around the same time, but it was uh, made for PS4 initially. Hmm. Ooh, it looks stinking good. It does. You know, I wouldn't have known that it was kind of last gen technology until you just mentioned it. It looks very current gen and it mm -hmm. feels that way too. Like it's beautiful and it even though the world is dark and dead and dreary, it's still beautiful. <laughs> you know yeah so as you progress through there you start to get through this village and realize that something has taken over it there are still people who are living and not turned if you will into zombies or anything like that so you try to kind of take shelter with them only to realize that um they all kind of get taken out <laughs> pretty dang quick <laughs> yes like, oh, they went for the the one trope where they let in a guy who's been bit, and of course he turns on everybody. Yeah, so we all knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah. But you end up kind of on your own. And uh... can, we, hold on, can we talk about that scene in the barn while you're trying to escape? Like, what is the logic here? It's like, okay, I'm going to get in this truck. I'm going to try to run through this brick wall. Doesn't work. I'm going to run through it again. I'm going to flip the truck somehow. You could have gone up that staircase to begin with and seen that open window, but <laughs> trying to yes. drive a truck through. All the all the while, the dialogue 
is so bad. So let's just start off. Let's talk about Ethan. Okay. <laughs> what What are your impressions of this guy? Does he seem like a good character, like a well-written mm. character? Or, or does his dialogue kind of ruin it for him? It's tough because at this point, it's almost a given that most Resident Evil games have bad dialogue. But... I appreciated what his potential was in his backstory that kind of got revealed towards the end because as you're playing him and he gets completely beat up horribly constantly it almost really took me out of the moment to realize oof this, this, he's getting hurt too much this is not realistic you don't realize why until much later <laughs> oh, in the I game know. what a cool reveal but yeah my problem with Ethan is just like everything he says just seems so exasperated and nothing about him seems like a real person would say this. Everything. No, no. It's like everything I hear, it's just like, this is just a guy in a recording booth, like overplaying yep. his lines or underplaying yeah. them. I don't know. It's just uh-huh. none of this Both. feels like how a real person would react. No, not at all. When something's happen happening where he should be extremely exasperated, he says something kind of cheesy. Yeah. Where he makes like a pun. And then when something's happening where he shouldn't be, he's way over the top. Mm-hmm. And the voice acting was not very good. But his character in general, I think, is pretty decent. That's my thought. I don't know. I I think he's got too much t- tunnel vision towards the mm. plot, I guess. And it's just really annoying because anything that's being said to him, he's like, I don't have time for this. Where's my daughter? And... Just like he's not adding anything. He's there's no actual conversations between him and anyone else. It's just everything everything that's said to him is stop lying to me or what's going yep. on? And it's just it's so unrealistic. <laughs> and, yep. and he doesn't even like react to Mia getting killed right in front of him. No, he doesn't. And the questions he asks are like do you realize how many times in that game I'm just like, really? You asked that at that time, or you said that at that time? It's like, really? It's just, yeah, you're right. The dialogue was not well written. I think his character is decent, though. But yeah, it's it's all over the top and all centered around him blindly needing his daughter back, even though he doesn't always use logic <laughs> in regards to that. There's so, not a lot of logic. Yeah. So he ends up being captured, and you see the four lords and Mother Miranda all together. Mm. The four lords being Lady Dimitrescu, Angie, and Donna Beneviento, and then Moreau and Heisenberg, and then Mother Miranda herself, who we are normally actually, we rarely see her in that form throughout the game. She's Mm. normally the hag, the old witch lady. And this is just like one of those jarring moments for me where... You see all these characters together, and it's like, what is this? This is so weird. These This yeah. hodgepodge of different, again, boss types that don't really seem like they go together. Yeah. Very interesting. So Mother Miranda, first off, is the leader of this cult that this village is following, and the one who's kind of behind all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and these four lords are kind of like her attendants, or the... The, the bosses of these individual areas under her control that you have to visit to essentially um, get your daughter back. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They're so different. You've got like a 15 foot tall lady, a, a zombie <laughs> swamp monster, a, a marionette and a guy who can make things float. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> how do his power, like his powers seem out there. Uh, like, where, literally. What's, what's Magneto doing in here? 
Yeah, exactly. And he was not, the, he's probably the least scary of all of them. So it really bugged me how his was last. His, yeah. his area's last. So I just wanted to give kind of the, the overall goal here of these villains is Mother Miranda. She's this immortalish being who lost her daughter in what the 1800s to the Spanish mm-hmm. flu. So she wants Rose to basically be the vessel to bring her daughter back mm. and thinks that Rose is kind of perfect for the situation and mm-hmm. all of her tests on trying to find new vessels to bring her daughter back is what has caused all this mutation and the chaos in the village. So that's kind of the explanation of why things are the way they are. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk more about the parasite stuff like as we come to it or should we just talk about that now let's just talk about it now or get the basic gist out of the way yeah i thought it was a little confusing where Mm. there's kind of like three parasitical things at play so Mm. after her daughter dies wanders into a cave to just die herself Mm. and discovers the megamycete which is this Mm. giant i don't really know what it is this weird in Japanese, it's called kinkon, which means fungal root. Okay, that that actually explains it a little better. Fungal root hmm. that supposedly is a it absorbs the consciousness of things that die, hmm. and has some weird powers. And she wants to bring her daughter back through that because her daughter's consciousness is supposedly in there somewhere. That brings its own questions. It's like, is it everyone? It does it absorb everyone's consciousness ever? Or is it just people mm. who die in that area or something like that? <laughs> but it also controls the mold. And mm. this is the origins of the mold, which was then kind of transplanted to the house in Louisiana, where mm. Resident Evil 7 took place. She was also able to create the Cadeau, which is a parasite created from the Megamycete, which looks just like a smaller version. And it looks like a fetus. Mm. Because this whole game is centered around babies for the most Mm -hmm. part and so they're like let's put a fetus on everything and so putting this cadeau in people and like testing their regenerative abilities is what she's been doing to again find that perfect vessel where a lot of people they once the cadeau is put in them think think of like the lost pelagos would be a good comparison from four where a lot of people they just die when it's put in them, but others due to their genetics evolve a little differently. The ones who mm-hmm. didn't die a lot turned into just the, the lichen, the werewolf type people while others mutated differently into bigger beasts or into like the four Lords that we know mm. gave them yeah. different powers. It's, it's all a little confusing, but yeah. that is on par with most resident evil stories. That's kind of true. Lots going on at once. So let's go ahead and let's let's talk about Lady Dimitrescu and yes. this incredible castle level. Beautiful castle yes. level. That's the first place you go. Kind of yeah. disappointingly so, mm. because when this game was marketed, and, and Capcom has admitted they did not realize the reaction that Lady Dimitrescu would uh, get from yeah. the fans. I mean, you can't have this hot 
big old vampire lady and not have her be the focus of attention. But she became the like mascot of the game pretty much. Right. And so I was under the impression that she was the main villain of this game. Mm-hmm. A lot of the advertising focused on her. Everyone talking about the game was talking about her. They put out this it wasn't really a game demo, but a performance demo on the PS4, mm-hmm. which you played as a chambermaid, like locked in the basement, trying to escape. And mm-hmm. so this whole demo centers around her. And people were a little disappointed when you find out she's only in the first fourth of the game. And she's like mm-hmm. the best character. And on top of all the crappy dialogue and voice acting in this game, she stands tall, stands alone. But her, I'm ting. Her, <laughs> Her voice actor did an incredible job. Like, she is so good. Like I'd let you get away. You'll be sliced to ribbons. Before you ever see each other. Yeah, and she's terrifying. And it works perfectly. Yes. And on top of that, you're being hunted throughout the castle by not only her, but her daughters as well, who Mm -hmm. are vampires that can transform into flies and get wherever they need to be and they are quite difficult to kill but that's what makes this castle level so good is because after you end up defeating them like Dimitrask hunts you down and you can't stand still in any part of the castle because she will find you except for the save room except for the save room yes the classic save room (laughs) but that's what makes this level so good because it's terrifying and beautiful yeah, I remember playing this and just enjoying this castle in a way. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I feel the Resident Evil roots here. It's kind of like the police station in Resident Evil 2, where you're just kind of going room to room, trying to turn it blue on your map by exploring mm-hmm. everything that's in it. Yep. And it's like, I like this. So is the rest of the game going to be like just four distinct areas like this, or is this one going to be longer? Uh, no. And then... It ends in a very Resident Evil fashion with her going crazy mutado on us and uh, turn into yep. a giant bat-like thing because, yep. of course, she's she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, so to explain her powers, she has a very strong bloodline, essentially, but also has this hereditary blood disease. And once she has the Megamycete or the Kado in her, it uh, kind of amplified all of that. So she has really powerful regenerative abilities, which has caused her to grow. Uh, she can grow her fingernails into giant blades, mm-hmm. but she has to eat human flesh and blood to maintain that and keep her mutation in check, essentially. Mm. Yeah. She had a good backstory. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess each of the characters has a interesting backstory that you find out later. Um when you do finally finish the castle level, that's when kind of the basis of the story takes place because we find out how Ethan has to save his daughter. She is basically separated into separate mm, flasks. Flasks. Her essence has been moved to different flasks and that's not really explained, but it's cool. Even though Ethan doesn't really believe the Duke when he tells him (laughs) Like yeah. he just gets angry at him. It's like you're trying to, he's trying to help. <laughs> exactly he's trying to help you. That's just his reaction to everything. <laughs> there you are. I had a feeling you would pop up here. It was all worthless. 
Is that so? I assume you've picked up something of value. Not sure if it's a value, but... Why, you have your daughter right in your own hands. What are you saying? Take a closer look. That flask seems to contain her head. No. Roses... Don't say another word! This... This is impossible! This just can't be! Your daughter's essence is still intact. Her powers are truly unique. Who... Who could even do this? She can be saved, you know. Saved? From this? Are you insane? There's a house with a red chimney on the western side of the village. Go and seek out the man who lives there. Then we can continue our conversation. Quit holding out and get to the damn point! You don't have to trust my words. But do you have any better options? He'll pay you if I find out this is a lie. <laughs> Man, when that that reveal, I was like, uh -huh. "What the heck?" Yeah, this like right? I was kind of like felt a little turn in my stomach. Like I'm holding mm. her head in my hand. This is really yeah. weird. And it's not like you don't see anything. It's just her essence. It's just like a glowing flask. But each of the lords has a different flask, and that's when you realize you have to go to each of them and defeat them. And sadly for this game, I feel like the order in which those were defeated should have been reversed yeah i agree <laughs> because the next one is probably the creepiest and best level of the entire game but we're not going to talk about it yet we're actually going to save that part for last because yes. like this is major spoilers like how good the second part is and mm -hmm. so we want you to play it we want you to get out of the episode at that point if you have not played it um, yeah, but before we do move on, I want to ask, what was like your the standout moments of the Dimitrescu castle that you liked, or what scared you the most? Definitely running around the castle after you've defeated the different daughters, mm -hmm. and realizing Lady Dimitrescu is constantly stalking you, and you start to hear that violin music in the background. <laughs> yeah. You'll know she's close. You'll start to hear her stomping. And what's also really terrifying is just how calm she is as she's stalking you. She just like mm. casually walks up to you. And if you, you know, try and, you know, throw, throw stuff at her or try to shoot her down, she doesn't react to any of it. At, at, at the best, she'll like adjust her hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's just fun to look around the castle. It's fun yeah. to explore. It's, mm -hmm. it's a pretty castle. I do like the addition of the save room, the, the safe area where the Duke is. Yeah. You can buy stuff safely and save <laughs> without having to worry about anything. Yeah. I really liked, well, I don't know that I'd say I liked, but I thought the ba all the basement stuff was really creepy. Ah. Uh, um, and yeah. there's some sad backstory to that. You pick up a, a lot of letters from these like chambermaids scared for their lives, realizing that everyone sent to the basement doesn't come back. Mm. And it turns out like all the men in the castle are just killed and drained of their blood turned into mm -hmm. wine or something while the women are also like drained of their blood but turned into these weird zombie-like creatures 
that just mm. kind of stalk around down in the basement. Yeah. And the one sad part is there's one you kill who drops Ingrid's necklace and all mm-hmm. these letters that you've been finding were from Ingrid. It's like, oh no, that was her. And I'm pretty sure you play as her in that demo. You're her oh. trying to escape and then get caught and sent back down at the end. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's details like that that really make this level so good. So uh, what was your reaction to uh, when you tried to open that gate down in the basement? You got your hand yeah. on a lever and then all of a sudden, whoosh, your hand just gets cut clean off. That is shocking, to say yeah. the least. And I was even more shocked how quickly he put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> and it was working just fine. Yeah, I didn't understand that because apparently like that stuff happens in Resident Evil 7. And mm. it's just like, oh, wow, this must be quite the first aid tonic stuff that you're pouring on there. Yeah, yeah. the fact that he just reattaches his hand with just some of uh, that fluid. <laughs> so it really bothered me at first. Like I thought this is too video gamey. Like I can't get into this. But then I did give the game the benefit of the doubt. And like, okay, maybe there's some kind of explanation why he can regenerate so quickly. And thankfully, I did that. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yes. All right. So let's go ahead and move on. Skip over Beneviento for now and talk Mm -hmm. about Moreau, which, Mm. in my opinion, is the most disappointing part of this game. Ah, yeah. I thought it was the second most disappointing. But you're right. Not on the top of the list. It's Mm. just... There's not a lot to it. You you meet Moreau. Yeah. Who's mm. this whiny turd man. Yeah, he's like a giant frog mutated thing. It's, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> but his whole level's a swamp. It's it's gross if you don't like, you know, slimy noises. But it's not really scary. It's It's not scary, and there's just not that much to it. It's really just no. kind of dodging him in fish form. Uh-huh. And... Yeah. It's shooting quick. slime. Yeah, yeah, and then you just fight him at the end. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing very significant about it. No, there really which isn't. It's disappointing because it actually changed a lot. Where in, in their initial plans for this level, I think it was going to be more of an open zone for exploration. While I forget which is which, there was going to be a stalker, probably Moreau, that stalks you either on land or in water. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And then there was going to be these mermaid-type enemies that would mm-hmm. come up out of the water and try to kill you while trying to avoid the fish guy at the same time. So it, mm-hmm. it was a lot more fleshed out. They must have just ran out of time and had to change it. Mm. Yeah. it's mm. You're right. The whole dodging a giant fish was not that scary. And it's not that difficult either. It no. just... It's It's just accompanied by some very epic music. And yeah, you're you're running around on floating house parts while he tries to smash you with his fins. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, it's funnier than it is scary because he's got got this terrible self-esteem because he he knows he's the lowliest of the lords. Mm -hmm. And he just wants to prove himself to Mother Miranda. And (laughs) the stuff he's saying as he's the fish, like jumping out of water... Or there's this one part, he goes flying over you and he just goes, I'm the best! <laughs> like, alright, sad fish man. Oh, the best! Yeah, he just 
kind of ends up becoming a whiny guy and he's just whining to you the whole time and when you do the final fight there's just a bunch of slime and he makes it rain acid and you have to blow him up that's yep. about it that's how it goes and, then and the i think over. that's that's all all the time he deserves from us so after that <laughs> we meet heisenberg we've met mm. him before give me give me your thoughts on just him as a character him as a character well it sounds like a british actor playing an american accent and i didn't think that his character was very interesting at all he just he was like you said magneto a a guy that we've seen before you know kind of an evil dude and like he owns a factory great we've seen that before it's not scary anymore Uh uh-oh he's working on some secret uh mutated superhuman We've seen that before. It's not scary. Yeah. So a lot of, I guess, not overused, but well-used tropes from previous Resident Evil games. Yeah. That kind of lasted for me throughout the whole entirety of this level, even when he becomes super mecha dude. So I hate that fight. Personally, yeah. That was the most disappointing part of the game, especially because it was at the end. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't have been. Oh, yeah. well. So... My thoughts about him is I think he's more interesting than you think, obviously. Um, like how you said, <laughs> sounds like a British guy doing an American accent. No, I think he sounds like a British guy doing a Nicolas Cage accent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you get it? It's a test to see if you're strong enough to be a part of Miranda's family. I don't want to be a part of Miranda's family. Neither did I, but here we are. And I'm next in line, right? Kill me, move up the chain, well, fuck that! It's so okay. bad, but it's, yeah. it's so hammy that mm. it's funny. And he's interesting in that he's he actually wants to work with you. He mm. hates Mother Miranda, and I thought that was oh. a, a nice twist. He hates that he has been forced to be subservient to her and had a parasite placed in him, and he wants to use Rose... Because apparently Rose has powers that you don't understand yet and still never quite understand. He wants to use Rose to kill Mother Miranda. And he's like, hey, we can do this together or you can die here. Mm. And I think the scariest part about all this is I was I found Sturm to be pretty disturbing. Sturm being the main mini boss of this level. Oh, the giant. Yeah. I guess, so this is the the Frankenstein aspect. If yeah. If he's Dr. Frankenstein, he's creating all these monsters. Sturm is this guy who's basically his top half has been replaced with a airplane engine and propellers mm-hmm. with chainsaw blades. Yeah. And that just kind of hits on the body horror feeling where it's like, oh, this is that's weird. He did that to somebody. And yeah, I was mm. looking at Sturm in the concept art and it said that the original plan was that Sturm was Heisenberg's dad. Oh, that he had wow. done that too. It's like, oh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. But also, Sturm sucks as a boss fight because mm. you get hit so much just getting trapped in corners because you have to yeah. have him kind of charge through the arena to like knock down walls, and I'll mm. just be running. It's like, okay, I'm in a corner. Guess I'll just stand here and get hit. That was not great, but this kind of climaxes with you finally having a conversation with Chris finally. So you've been running into Chris Redfield throughout the game. And this really ticked me off where Mm. 
as ridiculous as Ethan is, Chris is also being like so obstinate and unhelpful. So frustratingly, and I think it's just to add mystery to the game, but mm. it's it's so <laughs> unrealistic. It's like, okay, you walked into my house, shot my wife in front of me, gave me no explanation and walked off with my baby. And now every time I encounter you, you try to beat me up. And mm-hmm. Ethan, you shouldn't be here. You're not supposed to be here. Let us do our thing. It's like, how about you tell me what's going on? Oh, I didn't <laughs> want to get civilians involved. You shot my wife in front of me and took my baby. Like, mm. That is so annoying throughout this whole game. Mm. It's like you should have told him from the very beginning, and they kind of like solve that at the at the end when you're playing as Chris and one of his team members is like, "You really should have told Ethan." He's like, "Yeah, I know, I should have." <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, why was that written? Only for the mystery of is Chris a bad guy? What, how's he involved in this?" But it's like, no, he just isn't going to tell you anything. Oh, it just adds mystery mysterious dude he is mysterious so it all ends with after you defeat heisenberg you are confronted by mother miranda who rips your heart out in front of you Mm. and you're like okay that's it so you play a bit as chris and his team as they try to make it through the village that's just swarming with mold and lichen to get to the megamycete to destroy it Yes. And uh, this part's fine. Near the end of it is where you find a lot of lore hidden Mm. in this base where you kind of find out the depths of everyone's powers, like, you know, Dimitrescu and all them, like, why are they the way they are? You find out her story of discovering the Megamycete. You also find an interesting letter from this uh, med student, I guess, at the time who met Miranda a while ago and they shared an interest in the things that they were discovering. However, he didn't want to revive just one person like she did. He wanted to get uh, carried away in it. Let's say Hmm. that person is Oslo Spencer. (laughs) Person who creates umbrella, the main villain of i guess who sparked all of this Hmm. it all started here turns out this was a bit of an origin story he met mother miranda and in all of these caves and ruins there is a symbol that looks like the umbrella and he's like hey i named my company after these symbols we saw together it's like (laughs) huh that seems weird (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's what this is all based off of uh okay but cool i'm glad we got some origin we weren't expecting yes the umbrella corporation is based on an ancient symbol that's not even an umbrella yeah who knew mm. so from there uh he finds mia in a cage turns out she was not dead and that the the mia at the beginning was mother miranda pretending to be mia and that's great mm. And then he's like, sorry, Mia, Ethan's dead. And she's like, no, he's special. Let me tell you, he's real special. And you wake up. You're like, come on, my heart was just ripped out. Now I'm waking up. Turns out you're confronted by this vision of Evelyn, the moldy girl from the first game. And she's like, yep, you're dead. The beginning of that game, you died. You straight up died. But basically, 
he was remade in the form of the mold. So he's just this parasite mold or something that has taken in his consciousness. And that explains how you survived this game. Because there is so much of this game where it's like, okay, stab to the stomach. All right. Hand cut off. <laughs> Hands, you know, split down the middle as I pulled them off hooks. And yep. <laughs> lots of stabbings, really. Like, he gets torn to shreds for this game and is fine. And as you play this game, like you mentioned, you're like, okay, this what is this? This is ridiculous. No one should be surviving this. And no one should be surviving it. It's only because he is not human anymore. Hmm. And so because he is not human and like Rose has been born of the mold, she has these special powers. There's something special about her. Yes. And that that's really all I, I know about Rose. Well... Ethan does eventually get all of her uh, things back. Yes. And she gets uh, put back together into a cute baby, of course. <laughs> but let's talk about how the Duke is so kind to Ethan and how he basically helps him so wonderfully. Like, he just saved him again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Carries him off and he, he, he basically sets him up to get ready for that final fight with Mother Miranda, who mm-hmm. is a crazy, evil creature and has rose and is really tough to beat yeah the duke is a very interesting character we've got this morbidly obese guy who can barely fit in his caravan wagon who's kind of popping up all over the game in places he shouldn't be popping up to sell you stuff Mm -hmm. there is a theory that i think is very strong here like there's definitely some mystery going on with this guy and as he helps you there at the end you're like what like, what are you? Who or what are you? <laughs> Even I can't quite answer that. Something mysterious. Yeah, it <laughs> implies that there's something more going on with him. Yeah. And he even has this crest of an owl. And all mm-hmm. of the lords have a crest that has to go with along with them. And so I think he is a lord himself. He is the he is the fifth lord. Mm. I know in early early plans for this game, he was supposed to be like a secret final boss, ah, like uh, betraying you. But obviously, they changed their minds about that. But I think they still left intact that he has a cadeau in him that mm. has maybe mutated him into his giant size. But he has decided to turn against Mother Miranda because. She's killing all his business. And hmm. like there's a letter that you find somewhere in the game that uh, talks about how he has uh, been bringing newspapers in and giving to people. While Miranda does not like that, she wants them to be closed off. And so it seems like he's trying to invite someone in to stop Mother Miranda and help in any way he can. Hmm. And I think that holds up. I think that's probably true that he is one of the lords who has then gone separate ways and maybe the DLC will cover more of that. Cause I know he is in that DLC, whether or not it's actually him or this weird uh, figment of what's happening in that game in <laughs> Rose's head. Like that, cause that game looks much more supernatural than I guess how supernatural this game already is. But anyway, <laughs> I gotcha. Mm. A plus customer service. That's for sure. <laughs> So good. 
Yeah, you better be because of all the money you spend it in his uh, at his store. Yes, but he also buys lots of stuff from you. That's true. That's true. He's a nice guy, and, and he just he's so knowledgeable. Like he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, and he tells you everything. He's the one who instructs you how to save Rose initially, and basically tells you where to go from there. Yeah, so he's definitely in on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And maybe that explains how he can mysteriously appear and disappear in different locations. Maybe. Ultimately, though, what happens to Ethan? He sacrifices himself for the good of everyone to save everyone. And that's kind of what happens Yeah, in a way. So it, it kind of ends where he dies having blown up the Megamycete and it cuts to like 18 years later or something. Rose is a teenager visiting his grave wearing his mm-hmm. jacket it's all it's very sweet mm-hmm. she's clearly got something going on where she is now involved with chris doing work for him work on supernatural stuff i'm sure mm-hmm. and she gets in a car off to go do something some sort of job and it really lingers on as they're driving down the road someone is walking towards their car mm. and it has been confirmed through like people looking at the game files or like manipulating the camera that that is Ethan. Ah. That is Ethan walking up to the car. So what does that mean? We'll find out now in this DLC. Wow. Because this DLC is the end of their story. I see. But, wow. Uh, interesting twist. Oh, and, and one last twist we forgot is while Chris was trying to save the day, the BSAA showed up, which is who you know, Chris and Sheva used to work for. Hmm. They left the BSAA and became Blue Umbrella, which they're all tasked with just kind of undoing the damage of Umbrella. But the BSAA, BSAA show up and they recover one of the agents that dropped down from the helicopter and it's a zombie. It's like, hmm. whoa, BSAA is using bioweapons now. What is going on? And so I think that's what's really setting up uh, Resident Evil 9 is this big confrontation between Blue Umbrella and BSAA and whatever's left of Umbrella. It's going to be interesting. Yes, that is. I'm looking forward to that. The question is, does that take place before? Like, did it? does it take place in between the end of this game and Rose DLC? Hmm. Because otherwise, Chris is going to be like 70 in the next game based off that time jump well you cannot rule out any kind of crazy age altering uh superpowers that can somehow come into play here with That's this series point. but yeah very good story and uh let's let's go back now and talk about the amazing level that should have been left for last because <laughs> it was so good yes uh let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back to talk about the best and most terrifying part of this game <laughs> all right so let's conclude talking about house beneviento which hmm. is so out of place for a resident evil game does not fit in anything that has, has really come before this other than maybe Resident Evil 7. I don't know how scary that game is, but I'm guessing it's pretty scary. <laughs> but this yeah. this is very like Silent Hill type mm. stuff. Yes. And 
I was not prepared. <laughs> no. I, I, nor was I. Y- even though you had given me a bit of a warning prior, mm-hmm. it it's so different and so unique, and that's what makes it hit so hard, because A, you're not prepared for it, and B, it's so subtle. Like The way you have to complete this level is so different from the ways you've been completing other levels, which we'll yeah. talk about here in a second. Yeah. Yeah, it starts off immediately ominous. You walk into the woods. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of dolls hanging from the trees. Yeah. That's terrifying. Like porcelain dolls, the creepy <laughs> kind. <laughs> Most dolls are creepy. But yes. <laughs> as you, you make your way up to the house, and it is very beautiful, yet creepy and isolated, where it's on the side of this massive waterfall, and as, as you turn that corner and see that, you're just like, whoa, that's pretty. But as you walk in, it definitely has a very haunted house vibe to it. Yes. And I was confused because it's like, okay, this seems kind of small as I went in. Hmm. And I was yeah. 100% expecting it to be just like Dim- the castle, but, you know, different location of, you know, just going room to room fighting off enemies, clearing rooms. That was not the case. I was so confused. It's like, why is there nothing in this house? And why am I walking yeah. a little slower? Because you do move slower in that house. Mm-hmm. And then you find the basement. Yes. <laughs> you do. Ooh, the, the basement. basement. And it's amazing. This this whole ca- this not, uh, not castle, this whole house, it's not really ruined. It's just kind of old, you know? Yeah, just kind of in disrepair. Yeah, there's a few dolls sitting around. Peeling wallpaper. That's about it. Peeling wallpaper, but like nothing too ominous about it yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but as soon as you step out of that elevator, you know, we're explorative. We look around. It's like, oh, great. There's a freaking breaker box on the wall. That means one (laughs) thing. It means the lights are going to go out. And (laughs) I was immediately on edge. Yeah, oh, the long no. hallways too. Oh no, what is going to happen where mm-hmm. I'm going to have to interact with this breaker box? And I was just angry right off the bat. But it's it's funny, as I was playing this, uh, I had AJ come over that day and we played through the house Dimitrescu, uh, just kind of trading off and on on the controller. So I was still texting him after he left. I was kind of live texting as I went through here. I was like, oh, this is... This is interesting. It's there's no combat. There's uh, no enemies. Like this is really weird, and uh, I kept updating him throughout. And my texts just get like more and more deranged. And I think the last text I sent him was just like, "Fucking fuck that level." Like that was the scariest thing I've ever done. And uh, let's, so let's talk about that. How how did we get there? Mm. Yeah, for sure. You're walking down these long hallways with it's, it's kind of dimly lit right but there's normal yeah. rooms like there's a projector room and a bedroom and a kitchen and stuff but you get to the main room and it's like this workshop almost and there's yeah. doll parts hanging from like ropes um and right in front of you there's this just creepy marionette sitting kind of like completely limp in a chair and as you approach it that's when the lights go out and you hear a creepy laughing voice <laughs> yeah it, oh, after the lights yeah oh angie 
the creepy marionette that stalks you around this level. If you just heard what I said, you'll know why it's terrifying now. <laughs> um, so uh, the lights go out, and next thing you know, there is this wooden mannequin on a, on the table. And um, you have to, there's like clues hidden around the mannequin, like on the eye, um, it matches like the door uh, pattern. And this is where it starts to get, creep- to get creepy because all of your items have been taken away. Mm-hmm. You don't have any weapons, you move, move at normal speed, and that was what initially terrified me. Yeah. This whole basement area becomes a puzzle. You have to start searching around to figure out where to find the next clue to find the next thing that's on the mannequin and so on so there's clue number one of why this is going to be a very terrifying level so question for you as you're exploring and i i thought it was kind of cool it's like oh this is like an escape room that's kind of cool uh it it didn't didn't realize how bad i would want to escape later (laughs) but did you discover that you could like open up the cabinets and stand inside them um i did actually <laughs> and when i discovered that because what i do I, I typically like to collect everything i just run through everywhere and i try to open every single door in every room that i enter i noticed that and as soon as i noticed that i realized oh my gosh long hallways i don't have any items i'm gonna have to start making a run for it at some point so i started planning out escape routes to be uh-huh. honest <laughs> i started mapping this whole place out in my head um, and I was constantly on edge as things were creaking, pictures were falling and starting to scare you as you were moving through. But yes, I did discover that you can walk into the closets <laughs> and close the door behind you. <laughs> so I did not. I just opened the closet. It's like, oh, nothing in there, nothing to grab. And then just shut it. I didn't realize you could go in it. And that seems to be something a lot of people have like discovered. Because even after I played it, I wanted to watch some Let's Plays on YouTube because I just wanted to see how everyone was reacting to this level. And a lot of people like immediately realized you could get in the closet and they're like, oh, great, I'm going to have to hide in here. I did not. <laughs> I did not notice that. But what this level does so well is, sure, the, the payoff is terrifying, but it's the build to that. It just has such a great pacing to it. Where things just get, start getting a little scarier and scarier, uh, especially as you start to sort out the film strips, mm-hmm. and it plays on the projector, going down that dark staircase and then down into the well. It's like, mm-hmm. oh great, I'm gonna have to do that at some point. Yep. And then the projector falls, and you walk in, and all these dolls are just standing there, one holding the scissors you need, and yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh, what are all these dolls doing here? Oh, this is awful. And yep. <laughs> so you use those scissors, you go back, you get the key, and it opens that door. It's like, oh, great, here's the hallway. And I remember this just hitting me. It's like, I've never played a scary game like this. Hmm. This haunted house type game. I was just kind of frozen. It's like, I don't want to continue. Hmm. But just this voice in my head saying like, nope this is Resident Evil, you have to keep playing. You just have to keep going. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And that was so hard for me to do, to go down those stairs, to go into that well. And uh, (sighs) what happens when you come up out of that well? Well, you start to hear a little voice that sounds kind of like a baby crying, because that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Right after you see a 
rocking cradle with nothing in it before you go into the well as, as well. <laughs> but yeah, you start hearing a baby crying, and that's when it gets terrifying. The lights, oh, yeah, the lights tend- are out. <laughs> Yeah, the lights are out too. And so you, you found the key to the breaker box down in that well. Yes, right. and this is also after you've been hearing recordings of your wife's voice, and you picked up the phone, and that was her voice on the phone. Yep. Um, and you had found the music box from your wedding just sitting in one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is where the stalking comes in, because we have something that stalks you, and it's how do you, how do you even explain it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant basically slug that fetus. fetus yeah it's like a slug fetus that cries like a baby in a very distorted fashion and that is what you have to avoid in the dark as you're trying to backtrack through this maze that you've made through of hallways This is when you start to have to get in those closets and hide under beds. Yeah, mm. the, the music really picks up on like the violin, you know, like yep. a screeching violin. And this thing just, as it is crying out, chasing you down, like, I, it, it was just so crazy because it was not at all what you're expecting. Like, sure, mm. all this, all this stuff had to do with rows and babies, but I, you know, I was kind of under the impression that eventually the mannequin was going to be coming to life mm. and tracking you down. But the mannequin was at the bottom of the well. Mm. And yep. you go back there. It's just all dim, very dim. And there's a bloody umbilical cord going all the way down the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then you just see this thing kind of crawl out of the darkness. And yeah. Oh, my gosh. What? What is that? Ah! And you turn around and start running. And I didn't get in a locker here. Uh, basically, all I did was just run a big old loop where you run back to the main room, through the the sink room, and then into the tunnel that you cut open that had the the man or the the dolls in it. Uh-huh. Then out out the little projector room, and then up to the breaker box. So just a kind of mm-hmm. a big circle around him. Yeah. Now that I speed run it, all I do is go back to the workshop where you know the table's in the middle mm-hmm. and it's scarier because you have to come face to face with it and then just kite him to one side of the table then run around and then mm. just run past him yes or her technically and <laughs> i remember you get to that breaker box you open it up and it's just a puzzle piece it's like no it's, let me turn the lights on <laughs> and the relief you feel when you get to that room where you put in that puzzle piece the door opens it's like oh the lights are on. Good. Yeah. That just moment of relief. Whew. From there, you do find another breaker box that does have a breaker in it, but that turns off the lights to that wing of the house because you took the mm. breaker out. And yep. this moment, holy cow, you're already on edge. It's like the lights are back off again. You hear stuff being toppled over. Yeah. And you start to backtrack and it, it, burst through that door giggling and at this point i just straight up like i've never really reacted this way but this whole time i'm playing this Lindsay's in the other room i'm like Lindsay, like come sit with me while i'm doing this this is awful and so she's hearing all my reactions to this 
this. And maybe that, that helps me feel a little more comfortable playing it during the daylight. I know she's just in the other room. I'm narrating it as I go. But this part, he pops through. And I just, I screamed. Like, legit reacted to this. <laughs> and I ran into the bedroom, hit pause, and I just went and, like, paced the house. And just sat wow. down. I was like, I don't want to go back in there. I don't want to go do that. <laughs> I don't want to get through this. Uh, and then yeah. ultimately, I was too scared to really figure out what to do. It's like, this is a mm-hmm. dead end. I, d- I don't get it. I didn't realize yeah. you could go under the bed. I didn't realize you could open the closets. And in that first attempt, it got me. Oof. And were you ever got by that? I actually wasn't. I just waited in the closets until it went away, which was scary enough. But so it got me, and uh, I just like I just like cringed and closed my eyes. Like I legit covered my face and was like, I do not want to watch this thing approach me. And uh, later I find out if you do watch, it picks you up and just like sticks you in its mouth and just swallows you whole. Oh my! Which is disturbing. And so I was just I was too scared to figure this out. It's like I cannot puzzle solve well this thing's after me and so i cheated i watched a youtube clip to figure out how to survive because mm. it's like no i just if i'm gonna get through this i need some help and then i said oh, okay you can get under the bed mm. and then mm. ran out from there so okay. question for you as you run back you put the breaker in and the elevator starts coming down and you hear it coming yeah. up behind you yep. did you just stand there and wait for the elevator or did you still run off again and try to avoid it I, I started running like a figure eight pattern in that little um, entrance area, just yeah. thinking like, oh, it's going to get me. I wasn't fast enough, but I think that's kind of supposed to happen. Like mm-hmm. it's designed to where it it gets to you at the last minute, right before the elevator door closes and you go up the elevator. So I just ran a figure eight, hoping I'd survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's scary. So like, I think that's their intention is to scare you into running off again mm. because you can run into a side door and and run a loop or hide. I think there's a closet in that room you can hide in. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you can just stand there with your back t- turned to it and just be real scared as you hear it getting close, but then the door does open in time. Mm-hmm. Get out. Listeners, are you terrified yet? Are you <laughs> seeing why this is the uh, scariest level in the game? And it's funny because the boss fight should be scary because you're being confronted by all these giggling little living dolls. who are like, you know, shaking very, very quickly. And it's like creepy. Like, like It is uh, creepy. Yeah. But it's like I didn't shivering. care one bit. It's like, I'm out of that basement. This is nothing. <laughs> they, they did not creep me out at all, which is funny because I have watched some Let's Plays where people were having, that was like the scariest part. Like, no, oh, I can't handle all these dolls. I can't handle this. And yeah. but me, it's like I'm out of the basement. I don't care. Anything can happen right now, and I will be fine with it. You've seen it all. Yeah. <laughs> so those dolls are just sitting around. They're basically filled, um, like they're on all the cupboards, on the tables, and stuff. As you in the top level of the house again, and this final boss fight with Angie, that marionette, is just playing hide and seek with her. You have to find her as these like dolls are just sitting around and shaking and if you take too long to find her then some of them fly around you and like poke you and that's why it's kind of timed because yeah. if that keeps happening you'll eventually die so 
you have to quickly find her. And each time you find her, you give her a big stab with the scissors or something, and you're right, that's it. And then Angie and um, her uh, marionette person, Donna. Uh, what's, Donna, they die, just kind of like Lady Dimitrescu did in a crystallized fashion, and you can finish the level, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, so just a little explanation of what was happening there is Donna's power that she gets from the Cadeau, there is these flowers that grow in her region that are like infected with the mold. And when people mm. breathe that, it allows them, her to like control what they see and mm. create hallucinations. She has also kind of split her megamycete powers with her dolls. So I'm pretty sure like Angie is actually alive because she's got Cadeau inside of her. And so that's not just her like manipulating what you see. I, th I don't think I okay. could be wrong, but basically hmm. all of this happened in your head. She was torturing hmm. you with her mind powers because you breathed in, like you see those flowers when you walk in, hmm. they're on that grave. I see. Or I smell. <laughs> so that is one heck of an experience and one that's very different from what you encounter, no weapons, just you running and hiding and playing hide and seek. And it's absolutely Ooh. terrifying. This level should have been saved for the end. Like Lady Dimitrescu, second to end in this level at the end. I would argue maybe not the end, just because it's so short. Mm. Maybe maybe like third and then Dimitrescu being last. Okay. But re I mean, really, it's just Moreau needed to be something better. Because yeah. for a while, after playing through this level, I was just so on edge for everything. Where even Moreau, like I went into Moreau's zone, very scared of what was going to happen. And then nothing really ends up happening. So if mm. they had just had a better third part that kind of capitalized on the tension you were still feeling, then maybe that could have saved it. But I think yeah. Moreau's section just kind of derails mm. any tension left in the game. Yeah, that's for sure. Nothing beats that doll level. So. <laughs> so yeah, now I'm curious because this DLC looks very supernatural mm. and, you know, they've had time to, to know how we reacted to this game as they built this DLC. Is mm -hmm. that, is it going to capitalize on that? Is it going to be really scary? Mm. Hopefully. I really hope that they uh, integrate some of that differentness that we got from that level. Yeah. And make it truly good. I'm looking forward to this DLC. Yeah. It's just funny. As I was saying last week with like watching it, where in the moment I'm terrified, but then afterwards, after I understand it, I enjoy that something made me feel something, you know? <laughs> yes. But I, I don't want to go back and do that level for the first time again. That was terrifying. And even, mm, yeah. it's always terrifying, even when you've got your guns maxed out because you lose your guns. So mm -hmm. that, that section has played normal every time. <laughs> You've got your quick wits. Yep. Helps you out, hopefully. <laughs> anyway, go play this game, even if you've already played it. Play it again. Play that DLC. It's going to be great. So uh, that's it, Jake. I think we have talked long enough about Resident Evil Village. I'm very excited to see where the franchise is going to go and just mm -hmm. so impressed with what this game was and look forward to continue replaying it over the years and and maybe finally go back and, and play resident evil 7 even though i'm scared to do so yeah sounds good 
Actually, as of yesterday, I downloaded uh, RE6 again. Oh, well, that game is not scary at all, but <laughs> it's very fun, over-the-top, umbrella, action, chaos. So Nice. And actually, Leon's campaign is still really good. I like his. Okay. Because it's more zombie-rooted than the others. All right. Fantastic. I, I'll root for that. I'll fungal root for that. <laughs> all right. So, everyone, thank you for listening. Have a great Halloween and spoopy times. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. What are you buying? What are you selling? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, we meet again? Duke, are you here? Where there's coin to be Mother, I bring you fresh prey. Yeah.